Okay. I'm listening, but I'm, I'm doing well. I'm, yeah, I'm okay. What are they saying? complaints. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we don't want none of that. That's just silly. Awesome. A good liver is a good thing. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Give it a real quick. Okay. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we'll pray for your lungs. Yeah, absolutely. Some sort of aspiration, yeah. take these to the Lord and just open up in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your grace and mercy. I pray, Father, that you would give us, Lord God, ears to hear in this place today, Father. I pray that every need that was mentioned, Lord God, that you would give grace to those who are mourning, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would help, Lord God, those who are suffering in their body. We pray right now for Tamara's body, Lord, that this wheezing in her lungs would be made right in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, for strengthening, God. We thank you for good tests. 
I pray, Father, that you would give us, Lord God, eyes to see you this morning. God, let me speak your words and none other today. We praise you, God, and give you glory. And thank you, God, for this day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. All right. Good morning. Yeah, thank you. for. It won't be that way next week, though. Only happens once in a while, doesn't it? Let's turn in our Bibles. How many of you remember what we talked about last week who were here? Good, but what, what, were the th- what was the main point of it? There you go. Paul said, I was caught up in a vision. He didn't say himself, but we know it's him. I was caught up in a vision, and where was he caught up to? To the third heaven. Because he was caught up to the third heaven, what does that tell us? That there's two other, there's, that there's a first and a second, or there can't be a third, right? Just the powers of deduction. And what did we determine last week that the third heaven, what is the third heaven? See, if y'all missed this last week, you need to go back and listen to it. It is the, it is the throne of God. Okay, so he was caught up to the throne of God. Then in the second heaven, what did we determine lives there? The prince of the power of the air, the second heaven. So what is the first heaven? Earth, our atmosphere, right? Yeah. And so as we talked about Revelation 12, that there was a war that broke out in heaven. Now, we know that Jesus said that he saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. What heaven did he fall from? The throne of God. He was, he was a created angel his name was his name here's a little fun fact for y'all to go look at every um archangel michael gabriel those are the ones we have in the scripture i'm sure there are others but we don't have their name and then what is satan's name what's odd about that you know it only sounds no i'll help you mike l gabriel El is, it means, Michael means he who is like God. So El in the name is the name of God, in their names. Lucifer doesn't have the name of God in his name. However, Lucifer, if you go to, I think it's, where is it, Ezekiel 28, where it says, How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Right? Where we see his name? No. Go, wait, listen. Go and pull that up in your Strong's. The word Lucifer. And look at it in Hebrew. And it is the name. You ready for it? See, Lucifer is a transliteration. Whereas Michael and Gabriel stayed. Those are both Hebrew names. So Lucifer is a transliteration of, the, of his real name. How many of you would like to know what his Hebrew name is? Hallel. H-A-L-E-L. So some of you don't know anything about Islam. All the food that is Islam that is considered holy is called halal. Just for fun fact for you. Just fun fact. Just a fun fact for y'all. So he did have an, an L name. But so he was made. And the Bible says, what was Satan in heaven? Do any of y'all know? He was a worship leader. It says that his musical ability, pipes, were built into him like an organ. 
Have you seen a big organ built into a building? And so, and he was covered with precious stones. So he had, he had all of these jewels. And so whenever, and, and so that he was a, apparently some sort of a, a covering cherub is what the Bible says. So when he, he said, but I will ascend, I will ascend into the sides of the north. I will exalt my throne above God. So he wanted to usurp the authority of God. And so when Jesus, after they sent out the 70, 72, whichever translation you have, they came back and all the people were amazed at what? That the devils, the spirits, it said, the spirits were subject to them. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Don't be jazzed. Don't be impressed that demons are subject to you. Be impressed that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. So in other words, your name being written in the book of life is what gives you the power to tread on serpents, to cast out devils, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to do all of these things. It is not a power that is resident within you. And it seems apropos that, that um, Jesus would say that because it is very Luciferian to be impressed with oneself. Don't be impressed. Because they came back super impressed with the power of God that was flowing through them. And he said that is no reason to be impressed. So see how he's kind of given some, he's given some, an ounce of prevention that's worth a pound of cure. Because whenever you have that anointing flowing through you, one can get confused about who it actually belongs to. So when we see that, what he's saying there, when he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, he's taking us back to a before-time reality of when Satan decided to usurp the throne of God. And he was thrown out of the third heaven to the second heaven. And now he is what the Bible calls the prince of the power of the air. And who does he work in according to the word of God? He works in the sons of disobedience. Who will the devil use? Anyone he can. And so see, you see even Jesus there giving a hold up. Because as we know in the 70, we don't know all the names of them. He sent the 12 out first and then he sent the 70 out, right? Who was in the 70 that kind of blows your mind? Judas Iscariot? He was in the 12. He went out on both missions and saw the dead raised, the lepers cleansed, the blind eyes open. He had all of that. 
But we understand that it says in the scriptures that Satan put it in Judas's heart. And then he acted on something that was given to him from a second heaven reality. How can Satan manifest his plans and schemes in the earth? How? Through people. Now, I'm not saying that there are not different layers of spiritual authorities. Thrones and dominions is what the Bible says. That we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in high places. Second heaven, high place. So there are different layers of authority. We know also from the book of Daniel in the 10th chapter that whenever uh, Daniel sought to pray to receive revelation from God and he did the 21-day fast, the angel makes it through at the end of the 21 days and gives him some insight with regard to the second heaven that had it not been for that, we would still be in the dark about it. He said, on the day you set your heart to seek the Lord, I set out with the answer. Just as soon as he heard a righteous cry on earth's side, and this is under the old covenant too, just as soon as he heard a righteous cry on earth's side for revelation, what was dispatched? The angel sending it to Daniel. But he says, but I was detained by the prince of Persia. I was detained by the prince of Persia for 20 days. He warred in the second heaven with, an, with a, a demon stronghold that operated over the land of Persia. Where in the world is Persia. Iran. Persia was named Persia up until 1933 or 1936. I'm terrible with actual numbers. Great with facts, but terrible with numbers. You can look it up on your own. Either in 1933 or 1936. I'm thinking it's 36 just because of what surrounded it. A man by the name of Adolf Hitler. Y'all ever heard of him? He actually signed into law and made the land of Persia, which is today modern-day Iran, he renamed it Iran. And it has been Iran to this day. So it's not hard to find Persia because it has been, I mean, it has been Persia in what some people who are old enough to remember, I remember when that was called Persia. I mean, though, that generation is passing, is passing away. What? Oh, Randall's, not even Randall's that old, right? I know, I would get them. So what we see here, now let's, now let's think about this a little bit again. Who is the perpetrator of the violence in the Middle East against Israel? 
working through Hamas, working through Hezbollah. Iran is a word that means, what does it mean? Of Arab descent. That's what Iran means, of Arab descent. So when we look at that, then we understand that this prince of Persia that detained Daniel is still, but it's still active. But what's interesting to me is it has only been active in Daniel's day at the time of that vision. And then after Persia, so there was, there was after the Medes and the Persians, then we have the Roman Empire takes over. It has, Iran or Persia has not been a superpower, it's been a backwater, no power, no authority nation that has been considered a bunch of crazy terrorists who are just trying to bootstrap it as a nation until modern day. And now this very nation is the very nation that constantly calls us, the United States of America, the great Satan, and calls Israel the little Satan. And follows that up by saying they will annihilate, kill, annihilate, and destroy Israel. Now, when have you ever heard that language before in the Bible? Kill, annihilate, and destroy. Esther. Esther. The same nation under Haman and Mordecai. He was a part of that nation who is Amalek. The very nation that whenever Israel left Egypt, they ran into Amalek. And it was prophesied, you will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. That's why peace in the Middle East, we pray for peace of Jerusalem. But the peace that we pray for in Jerusalem will be an ultimate peace. Not a peace that comes by policies, by men sitting at tables, or as Daniel calls it, two men. The angel gives him a vision, and this is how he terms peace agreements. Two leaders will sit at a table and lie to one another. That's from the Bible. So that's how peace works in the realm of men, right? But see, how is peace, when you're praying for the peace of Jerusalem, what are you ultimately, ultimately praying? Yet the prince of peace to set up his Davidic rule from the nation of Israel, beginning the millennial reign of Christ, to which you will be a part. And what will your part be? You'll be reigning, yes. Mm-hmm. 
It's violence. Hamas means violence. The word, the Greek word, it's karta in, in Hebrew, but you're getting the root of that word in the Greek, which is this, the full word is hamartia. Hamartia is the word, the Greek word for sin, but the root of that word is violence, which which tells us, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of God. What were they doing in the days of Noah? It says that there was violence in the heart of every person. Violence. So what we see at the core of sin is exactly what we see manifested in the life of Cain. Cain got jealous of his brother's blessing, but he shouldn't have got jealous of his brother's blessing. The Bible says that the Lord said, if you do well, will I not bless you? All he had to do was obey what God said, and the same blessing that God gave Abel would have been Cain's as well. But God said that sin is crouching at your door. Violence is crouching at your door, but you must master it. But he didn't. He opened the door to violence and he let it in. And what did he do? He murdered his brother in violence. And so this brings us to Genesis 3.15. Genesis 3.15 is what I call the thesis of the Bible. How many of you know every good book or paper has to have what? You have to, if you've written any research paper in your life, then you will get popped with grade deducted severely if you do not have a good working thesis. And what is a good working thesis? It is the statement which will summarize the entirety of the, of the full body of what you're writing. Now, for the Bible, 66 books, right? Written by 133 authors over 1,500 years. It's going to have a working thesis whenever every generation is going to pass off the torch to another author. It's be, and it still has, it's still going to work under the same thesis. That's impossible. I don't believe it. Unless, however, I can't get two people. If you put five people in the room, you're going to have six opinions. You know what I'm saying? So for me to think that a book written over 1,500 years spanning, I mean, think about how much the world changes in that amount of time, how much ideas change and philosophies change and men's hearts change and what's in and what's out changes but yet God kept together a thesis from the whole Bible and he continues to work it today I'm telling you if you don't like the Bible it's because you don't know anything yes mm-hmm That's in, um, that's actually um, in John. That's, yeah, so that, you're asking about that? Um, possibly, possibly. 
I think it's a little different. I don't really have time to go into it, but yeah, yeah, but it could possibly. I don't know. I think there's varying, varying views on that. So if we look at Genesis 3.15, this thesis here stands. Now, let's read the, the 3.15 thesis. And I will put animosity or enmity or hatred or variance against, between you, he's talking to the serpent, between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. And he, her seed, will crush your head and you will crush his heel. I'm telling you, only God could write a thesis like that. And the better a writer you are, the more simple and concise you can write a thesis and it hold together through the whole work. And right there, what theologians call this is the proto-evangelium. The very first gospel being preached was preached by the mouth of God. And so what we look at here is this becomes the thesis for the whole of the work of God. And it will hold itself intact through 1,500 years, through 66 different books and over 130 authors. That's not right. Over however many authors. I've got my authors wrong. But over the, a greater number of, of, over the number of authors. It's 40-something different authors, isn't it? And so what we look at in that is that there's one spirit inspiring this book. The book is God-breathed. What does that mean? The Bible is extraterrestrial. It did not come from this dimension. It came to this dimension from the third heaven to from the lips of God to our ears this morning. And if we don't understand that in the day we're living, we will listen to everything but the word of God. And it troubles me. It troubles me down to my very core when I can't find a church, a New Testament church who loves the word of God enough to get in the word of God. I do not read the Bible because I have to. I read it because I get to and I want to. I do not have a discipline of devotion. I have a desire of devotion. And now that may be an indictment against your desire. And it's okay. At least own it. Own it. Here's how, how do I fix that, Andrea? You do it from discipline until it turns into a desire. Because the book is so full of life, it'll do that if you will in faith engage with the word. And then it won't be a duty any longer. I now, if I am interrupted in my devotional life, I am aggravated. I get up at 4 a.m. Not because 
It's some religious checking of a box. If I sleep till 8, it's no big deal. You know what I mean? This is not something I'm doing that is not duty-driven. It's desire-driven. Psalm 2, Psalm 1, rather, says, How blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law does he meditate day and night he shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water which gives forth its fruit in every season the wicked are not so for they are like the chaff which the wind drives away they will not stand upright in the congregation of the upright the way of the wicked shall perish, but the way of the godly will be established. I mean, I shouldn't have to give you any other scripture but that one to tell you it behooves you to know the word of God more than you know Snapchat. More than you know Instagram, more than you know Fox News, more than you know the political landscape. It behooves you to unplug from everything else and fall in love with the Holy Scriptures. Because when heaven and earth has passed away, the Word of God will remain. So... Here it is. The seed war has begun. All you have been inducted into on the day you were born was the seed war. Years ago, when I was, we were pastoring in Hot Springs, I was studying this, and I said, and this was back before I really spent any time on the Internet. You know, when, you know, script, it was like, this is like early 2000s. Like, not everybody had Internet in their house. You know what I mean? It just wasn't common. I mean, my, it was, you know, your phones weren't smart. So you just couldn't Google everything that you wanted anytime you wanted to. I mean, you remember those days. I mean, I, 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 there's things I didn't know. And so, and I didn't have access to tons and tons of, you know, study material. But God will still reveal things to you. And so I asked the Lord years ago, and I said, Lord, I don't understand here. There's two seeds I mean, I understand the serpent, and I understand the woman. I understand that the woman is Israel, ultimately. But here in this passage, it's not Israel yet, is it? It's every other one. It's Eve. It's the only woman on the ground at the time it's being spoken is Eve. He's talking to Eve. She's the one in Genesis 3.15. There's no other woman on the, in the world. I will put enmity between your seed and her seed, serpent and Eve. She was deceived. We got us a problem here. Okay? He's looking at that. And her seed will crush the head of your seed. And your seed will bruise his heel. Let's get the party started. And so the Bible, here, you want to know the outline of the Bible? The more complex the Bible becomes, it just becomes more simplistic to me. The Bible is about generation first. Then it's about 
degeneration. Then it's about regeneration. And then it's about glorification. That's what the whole of the Bible is about. Generation, God created the heavens and the earth. Degeneration, by Genesis 3.15, we got the fall of man. Degeneration. Then the whole, then from Genesis 3.15 forward, is about what? Regeneration. And then ultimately, what are we getting to? The crushing of the head, which is glorification. Because I'm, I'm going to get a new body. You know, that's a, that we used to preach resurrection. That's glorification. You know, when you'll shine like the, the stars in the sky, when you will actually be in the, I don't know, it hasn't, John, they were looking for it. John said, it's not clear to me what we'll be like, but when we see him, we will look just like him. So we'll be glorified is what he's saying. So we have this seed war that begins. And now all we have done is we've stepped into this seed war. And we pray to pray for peace in Jerusalem. What are you actually praying for? You're praying for the return of Christ. But you understand that in that, that people are suffering and that things are going wrong. And there will be a peace agreement signed. But it won't be a real peace, will it? It will be a pseudo peace. Because the only way to get to ultimate peace is what? we got to finish up the seed war. He's got to return. In order to sit on the throne of, of David, he's got to lead the children of Israel like Moses, and he's got to conquer like Joshua. And all of that is the summation of what happens in Revelation and in Daniel. So, But we look at this here, and we're thinking about the fact that as I look at this, your seed and her seed... Now, the first thing I asked the Lord was this. Okay, I don't, I don't understand it. What gives? Seed, I know. I'm smart enough to know that seed is children. Progeny. Right? And, and I'm like, so, who are Satan's progeny? Children. Seed. In one sense, is that, is that only? That, see, that, that doesn't hold up. It holds up a little bit. It starts there. It's a part of Ishmael. But then where am I in this? So then I had to start looking because I believe that Scripture interprets Scripture, right? So that word there, that word there, hatred, variance, enmity. Where else in the Word of God is enmity, violence against? Cain enables one. Romans 8 says this. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, and those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For the mindset of the flesh is death, and the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. For the mindset of the flesh is hostile toward God. Enmity is what the King James says. For it does not submit itself to the law of God, for it cannot. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Yes. So this medium is, is when we're in our flesh, when we're born, 
any person who is in disobedience, who, is, who, who bears the fallen nature, his seed is sown. Where does Satan sow his seed? And where can he? I just showed y'all. I just read it. I just read it. Where does he sow it? I heard it. In the flesh. In the flesh. So it's very binary, isn't it? Spirit, flesh. So when Mike's always talking about the invitation to die. See, the old covenant used this. It, it just developed these themes so beautifully. It developed the themes. What was the first thing that God gave Abraham as a sign? What did he give him as a sign? Circumcision, the removal of the flesh. That's why circumcision is so powerful in the Bible. So powerful, in fact, that Moses wasn't, Moses was circumcised because a Hebrew is circumcised on the eighth day, right? Moses was hidden for three months. Whenever the, the, the princess of Egypt picked that boy up out of the, the ark, the ark, she didn't think he was Egyptian. She knew he was a Hebrew because he was circumcised. When she changed his diaper, she knew he was a Hebrew. But she said, Daddy, can I keep him? Can I keep him, Daddy? Can I keep him? Surely this is not the deliverer you've been trying to kill. Can I keep him? See, because there's a seed war going on. And so he brings him in. He's raised in Pharaoh's very house, the Hebrew, that he was throwing. I mean, why is abortion so heinous? You think that you, this is about seed. He wants to eliminate as many head crushers as he can. He's a murderer because he knows the potential in every human is to be one who doesn't walk according to the flesh. So where, how does the New Testament call Satan's seed? Y'all have already said it one time. The sons of... So, disobedience as an outgrowth in your life what is disobedience? Well, how would you describe disobedience? I'm just looking for a... Not to follow. Yeah. So it could be all kinds of things, right? Well, see, Paul names the works of the flesh. He said he just names a few of them. Oh, many more. But he just, for, just so for case in point, he said, he said adultery, fornication, lasciviousness, drunkenness, revelry, seditions, heresies. Every single one of them, by the way, do violence to another human being. You think adultery doesn't do violence to people? That's why, why do you think that in the Bible, and I'm sorry this may offend some of you who have to take it in the spirit that it's given. This is why it says in the Bible, in Malachi, the Lord says, I hate divorce. You know why? It's not because he hates people who get divorced. 
because it does violence. Whenever flesh is put together, you and, and for this cause, a man shall leave his father and his mother, and the two shall become one flesh. Any time, and I know that people who in this house have suffered divorce, and I understand it's very, it's, it's not easy, is it? Because what happens? Any time that you separate the t- one flesh, what happens? What do you have to have to separate one flesh? You have to have violence. And there will always be violence. God hates violence. So at the ultimate, the Hamas, everything that we do that inflicts violence on another is sin. So if your behavior inflicts violence on the body of Christ, sin. If your behavior inflicts violence, sin on your name. Why? That's how it works, guys. You're like, well, hot dog. No one is going to be right before God. Well, that's why John says that if he said, he said, if you sin, what do you have? You have an, I wish y'all knew these scriptures like this. You have an advocate with the Father. But he also says, there is a sin that's not unto death. But there is a sin that's unto death. And I'm not saying you should pray for those who sin unto death. What is that? Well, number one, there is no A article in the Greek language. There is sin unto death. And then there is sin that is not unto death. And he already told you, if you'll take the time to read John, it's just super short, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, you'll find it. If you'll take the time to read that, you'll find that the sin that is unto death, is one, it's not a sin, it is an attitude of sin, which means perpetual Persistent practice of sin. Ongoing. So there's no, because repentance means you turn and go the other way. The fact that you don't turn from your sin is evidence of what? That there is no repentance of sin. It's I'm sorry. But I'm not surrendering my flesh. Because the flesh is still there for Satan to sow his seed into. And it, we know seed is sown because what's the, how do you know when a seed, you're a master gardener, how do you know when a seed has been sown? The ultimate proof. You put it there. But if I walk over and I say, Hank, this is, there's no seed here, I don't believe it. And what do you tell me? And then ultimately, what do you tell I say, I don't believe you. What do you say to me finally? You say, just hang out and watch. So see, the ultimate proof is, is he put corn in the ground and there's no corn for him to prove it to me, is that when corn's time for corn to come up, he can bring me back to his garden and say, I told you. I told you I put corn in the ground. I told you. See, so many times in our life we, 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 we come to God and we're like looking for something. We're looking for him to do something for us. But he, the evidence of a life, of life of the Spirit is what? The fruit of the Spirit. If the Spirit of God has been sown in our heart, love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness. See, the most of the problem in the body of Christ is not anything other than just a good old-fashioned seed war. It's because you won't remove your flesh. 
And just on the note of circumcision, I was there. Moses, circumcision was so important that whenever Moses came out of Jethro's house to go back into Egypt, he had two boys with him. He had been born in Jethro's house by his wife, Zipporah. They were not Hebrews. They weren't Egyptian. They were Midianites. So they were, so they were born to him in the Midianite culture, which they didn't circumcise. And so Moses is like, we're going back to Egypt. And he's like, we're going to have to circumcise these boys. How many of you know it's easier to circumcise an eight-day-old than it is an eight-year-old or an 18-year-old? <laughs> Not meaning to be indelicate, but come on, you know what I'm saying? And so she did not want to circumcise her boys. Of course, wouldn't you be? I mean, he should have took care of that, when the, but he never saw this day coming. He thought his destiny was done. So now they're on their way back to Egypt, and what happens? What happens? What exactly happens? The angel of the Lord came to do what? To kill the boys because they weren't circumcised. They weren't in obedience to the covenant. And so they get sick. And, and so she takes a piece of rock, a piece of flint, and sharpens it. And she goes and circumcises her sons. And she throws the foreskin at him and says, you are a bloody bridegroom. <laughs> but see what that should show us. It should show us the importance in the Word of God to what? What? To remove the flesh. Because the Bible says that under the New Covenant, we aren't circumcised in that way. It says that our hearts are circumcised and when our hearts are I don't I, I dare say that no one carries their the circumcised flesh in their pocket <laughs> so we see this weirdo but <laughs> what we see yes Lonnie yep 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 of course uh-huh But we, in order, that's a great point. In order to declare the authority of God's word, we have to have the word in our mouth. And in order to have the word in our mouth at the time of the battle, we're going to have to have it in our mind and in our heart. Because if the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks, if there's no word in your heart, I just don't know how you're going to, in the moment of crisis, pull out anything other than the words of the flesh. And that's, and that's why 2 Corinthians 10 and 5 says, 
taking every thought captive and making it obedient to the word of Christ. How many of you, if you did that, wouldn't be falling into sin all the time? See, that's what I'm talking about, guys. And whenever, when we look at, see, the cross then is the instrument of circumcision. I've told y'all this. See, maybe now I've framed it in such a way you'll get it. The cross, whenever Jesus says, he who loses his life, think flesh there, shall find it, think spirit. He who takes up his cross, you take up your cross and follow me. So what we look at then is the cross is the instrument of circumcision. It removes the flesh. The very first stop into the promised land by Joshua was a place by the name of Gilgal. Who can tell me what great event happened at Gilgal? The rolling away of the curse, but what was it symbolized in? They all of the generation that were born in the wilderness had not been circumcised. Oh, another tough day. So they circumcised every man who was not circumcised at Gilgal. And they called it the rolling away of the flesh. Because the fact of the matter is, you are not in any condition to inherit the promises until your flesh is dealt with. Absolutely. The, the story's not changed. It's, the, it's, it's Genesis 3.15. And it just keeps playing out and playing out. So that's why whenever Mike preached that beautiful message about at the, in the tomb... The angel was at the head and at the foot, and, and, and Jesus' body was laying there. We see the fact that that is the New Testament mercy seat. Bloodstain, angels, a missing body, an empty slab. But there's no gold. But we understand through gold that as we... Step into the grave of death. We step, the next step is on the streets of gold. See, it's all there. It's the entrance. So you can't, if we don't deal with our flesh, and see, this is so easy. This is so easy. You would never have to worry about being offended again if you would deal with your flesh. Why is that? You can't offend a dead man. Every ba- you, most of you, some of you, one or two, maybe none. I'm being nice. You know, I'm trying to, I don't know if I'll ever get it done. Instead of being such a polemic speaker, I want to try to be more of a rhetorical speaker. But I'm super polemic. You know what the difference is with polemic and rhetoric, rhetorical? Rhetoric is defense. Polemic is offense. So I, I get on the, I'm, I'm an, but you got to have offense to score points. So, you know, defense will do something for you. So that's why it's called apologetics, it's defense. And so what we look at is we understand 
that so many of us, see how I did that? I just brought us all in together. So many of us, I am, I'm in rhetoric right now, yeah. So many of us deal with our ego. And, and the thing is, is that if y'all listen to Wednesday night's message, if you weren't there, go back and listen to it. Because if you remove the mocker, then contentions will cease. Strife and debate will end. In your life, your flesh is a mocker because it's the fertile ground for the Satan to sow his seed. And everything you do in disobedience will be done in your flesh. But here's the deal with the mocker. When can you remove the mocker? I heard it. I heard it. But in that in context, it's super wrong. It's, it's wrong. If you look at it, he says he dies daily. He just listed all the things that he's been stoned, he's been shipwrecked, he's been, cut, he's been this, he's been that. And he says, I die daily. In other words, what he's saying is all the things that are done to me are like death to me. Every single day of my life, my sufferings are like death to me. But to die, I could no longer die daily as I could get circumcised daily. See, you've got a context for that. And what you do whenever you have a context for dying daily, you have to resurrect the flesh daily. That's why Paul said, I reckon myself dead. How many times you got to reckon yourself dead? Every time that you have an opportunity to live. And that is. And so when we have the, when can you remove the mocker? When he shows up. You can't remove the mocker until he's there. And he only shows up in the midst of your conflict. What's my conflict? You know when somebody's doing you wrong, when somebody's treating you like a servant, when somebody's talking bad about you, when you don't feel like you're getting the respect you need. When they're not doing it, nobody won't leave me alone. Remove the mocker. Where's he at? Don't you hear him? Can't you? you? See, what you do there, when those thoughts start coming to you at that moment, when you hear that, instead of acting on it like you've done 10,000 times, just this one time, just this one time, do something different. Just do it. Because one seed is stronger than the other. One seed's stronger than the other. It's a fact. Which seed is stronger than the other? Don't tell me the one you feed the most. That is not true. God's seed is stronger. And the elder shall serve the younger. See, that's another part of the story that's all the way through. Cain killed Abel. Older killed the younger. God raised up another youngster, Seth. Jacob and Esau. God put the elder aside and he brought forth Esau. We keep going. Perez and Zerah, the two twins. The first one came out, right? The elder. They tied the scarlet thread on him. He drew back in. And then this younger brother came out 
came out first. And it's like, whoa, this is a breach. You know, so in other words, the elder got the back seat. Jacob laid his hands on Manasseh and Ephraim and switched the elder and the younger. You're like, why is this all, why is this recurring, recurring? David, when he anointed a king to super, to supersede him, no, succeed him, he anointed who? Solomon, his youngest son. And so we're like, what are we saying here? What's going on? Why all this younger? Why all this younger? Jesus stood on this side of heaven, on this earth, and he gave a grand example. And he said, the last... What'd he say? He said, ah, let me read it to you. I don't think y'all believe me. I'm going to go. I, I can't quote it good, so I'm going to read it. Let's see. Uh, so he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the church, his body. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might have preeminence or first place. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. And you who are once alienated and hostile in your, once alienated and hostile in your mind, doing evil deeds, you were once that way, but you're not now. He has reconciled you in the body of his flesh in death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue, if indeed, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed to all creation under heaven and of which Paul, I am a minister. Jesus is first and he came last in the succession to bring all of us into first. We, it's why we are firstborn sons, as it were. But what does firstborn sons mean? What does that mean? They got double the inheritance. Why? To take care of the family. They were given double, not just for their trouble, not just so they could be extra rich. They were given double to take care of their family. Many of us in the Solomon model, God gave Solomon double. He asked for wisdom and discernment. And God said, because you've asked for wisdom and discernment, and we're leaving right now, I am going to give you Wealth and riches. What did Solomon do with the double? David paid for all that. All that was done. David provided every stone and lumber and bought the site, had it ready. Every, all he had to do was go assemble it. All that was ready for, by David. What did Solomon do with his wealth? He enjoyed it for himself he married a thousand wives he collected things he did everything he needed to do and he squandered everything for his own self gratification huh 
That's what he found. Read Ecclesiastes. Read Ecclesiastes. That's what he said. He said, it's his memoirs of an old man who now says, too bad I didn't get wise until I'm an old dead. He said, it's better. This is what he said, and this is what we can leave on today. It is better to be a live dog than a dead lion. He, in that statement, was the dead lion. And so many of us are seeking for lion status. When he said it's better if y'all were just live dogs than dead lions. Because he's saying that he did nothing with his lion position. Don't be about your own business. And our firstborn, when we follow, what did he say he was about? Am I my brother's keeper? I am. Absolutely. Because the, the word of sin, the voice of sin says, I'm not my brother's keeper. So you have to live with the fact that when you are responsible, not only to you, you're responsible for the body of Christ. And you are responsible to remove the flesh and not operate in the flesh.